Good morning. So good to be with you here at Myerstown this morning. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And the title of our message this morning is The Appropriate Lifestyle of the Christian. The Appropriate Lifestyle of the Christian. Just going to read one verse here this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. And it says this I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. I'm preaching through Ephesians at Fairview. And so I came to chapter 4, and I got hung up on one verse. Paul says, I urge you that your lifestyle would be appropriate and reflect the heavenly calling you have received. Now, Ephesians is a prison epistle. Paul wrote it while he was most likely chained to a Roman soldier. And he says, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. Hmm. A prisoner of the Lord. He doesn't say that he's a prisoner in Rome. He doesn't say that I have a soldier that's chained to me, although those things most likely were true. But he realizes that God has allowed this situation that he's in, and he views this, his imprisonment, as God's hand in his life. So, interesting. It's not really where I'm going this morning, but interesting that Paul says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. The first three chapters of Ephesians don't contain any commands. There's no commands in the first three chapters of Ephesians, but it discusses our position that we have in Christ. First three chapters talk about our heavenly calling. It tells us that we are blessed, we're chosen, we're predestinated, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're given an inheritance, we're made alive in Christ. We sit together with Christ in heavenly places, and we're God's handiwork. We are handcrafted by God to do good works. We're reconciled to God and to all men. And we are given access to God through Jesus. We're made part of the church, the body of Christ. This is our heavenly calling. Paul goes through that in chapters 1 through 3, our heavenly calling. And now we come to chapter 4. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are the practical part of Ephesians, and it tells us how to live. Paul says, because of your heavenly calling, 
Now there needs to be action. Now there needs to be action in my life and yours. And he beseeches. He urges. He begs. He encourages that the Christian would live in a way that reflects the calling, that heavenly calling that God has given us. None of us like inconsistency. Think about a sandwich shop for a minute. And when you're hungry, you want to go for a sandwich, and you have in mind what you're going to get. Let's just suppose it's an Italian. When I say an Italian sandwich, probably something comes to your mind. What's going to be in that sandwich? Well, it's probably going to be salami and provolone and maybe some other things that you like. But if you receive something that is totally different, you're going to be disgusted. You're going to be disappointed. And so it is with the Christian. We have a heavenly calling, and our life needs to reflect what it is we claim to be. If it's an Italian, it needs to have certain things in it. If we're a Christian, our lives need to contain certain things. You know, in Sunday school, they were, we were talking about it too, that a Christian must have a walk that matches his talk. And you all know how people watch to see if Christians are consistent. And when they're not, the world points it out. They point out the inconsistencies in the Christian's life. If there is dishonesty in business, if there's an angry outburst, if there's an unkind post on social media, the world looks on and they say, for what they claim to be, it doesn't fit. They're inconsistent. And so Paul says to us here, our lifestyle must be appropriate and reflect our heavenly calling. And Paul goes on in the last half of Ephesians to tell us what that looks like. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about the mo motivation for this lifestyle. The motivation for living up to our heavenly calling. The motivation that is appropriate for the Christian. What is your motivation for being here this morning? For being a Christian? How are you living out that heavenly calling? And I want to look this morning at four ways of responding to this heavenly calling. These are not listed in the passage here, but as I studied, I felt that I was led to this, and it spoke to me. Four ways of responding to the heavenly calling. Number one, when the, call, when the heavenly calling comes, we can choose to reject it. And we look around us, and we see people that reject the heavenly calling. In this world, it is popular to be agnostic or atheistic. We say, you cannot know God 
or he doesn't exist. And then it becomes humanism and hedonism, meaning that humans decide what is the right way to live. It's my decision how I'm going to live. And I decide what's right. And I live. Hedonism is living for pleasure. And we see it all around us that people choose to live their own way and they live for what feels good and for what's good for them. And pleasure becomes the goal of my life. Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17 says this. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is is in their shame who mind earthly things. See what Paul says about the rejection of the heavenly calling? He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and they mind earthly things. So, The first way we can respond to the heavenly calling is that we can reject it. And I hope none of us here this morning have done that. But it is a possibility to reject the heavenly calling. And Paul says, the end of rejecting the heavenly calling is destruction. The second way that we can respond, I call reluctant living and reluctant living is if I feel that right living is demanded of me I know what the Bible says and I know what is expected of me I feel it's demanded of me to live right and I want to go to heaven but I feel that I'm coerced into living this life When that is the case, many times, church rules and authority in my life are hard to accept. I feel that it is difficult to value biblical teachings and applications because I'm being forced and I don't really want to do it. This kind of reluctant response to the heavenly calling can lead to bitterness because we feel we're forced into a mold that we don't totally agree with. Do you understand? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that I'm living my Christian life because, well, because I know I should? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornication or any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Reluctant living. We have here the example of Esau, who didn't value spiritual things. He was a man who was profane. He had a reluctant response to spiritual things. And it tells us in verse 15 that that kind of living, it brings a root of bitterness into our life. And we can't enjoy our Christian life. It makes us bitter because we are living reluctantly. So, we can reject the heavenly calling. We can live reluctantly. And then we come to living by duty. And when I live by duty, I find that the Christian life is an obligation to perform. I try to live as the Bible teaches And when I'm successful in living out an area of biblical truth, it becomes a source of pride. And I begin to believe that I deserve God's favor because of my obedience. And I compare myself to others and I feel good about myself because I'm looking at other people and I I think that I am better than them. I'm thankful that I'm not like them. And when and if I fail, then I become angry with myself. And I vow to try harder. And it is a life without joy because it's an obligation to perform. I thought of the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Begin reading at verse 26. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in, and therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, 
For this, thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Living by duty. It seems that the older son was, was still out working in the field and he comes in and he sees that there's a party and he wants to know what it's all about. And when he finds out that it's a party for his brother who had wasted his father's money, he was angry. And you notice what he says to his father. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. What was he doing? He was living by duty, living by obligation. Notice what the what the father says. He says, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is thine. The son had lived in the presence of the father. He had the possessions of the father at his disposal. Yet he lived a joyless life because he was living out of a sense of duty and obligation. A joyless existence serving the Father from that sense of obligation. Luciano Pavarotti was a famous Italian opera singer. And he had a lot of success in life as a singer. And he said, people think I'm disciplined. It's not discipline. It's devotion. There is a great difference. I'm going to say that again. People think I'm disciplined. It's not discipline. It's devotion. There is a great difference. You see, discipline says, I must. And devotion says, I want to. Discipline says, it is a duty. And devotion says, it is a privilege. Discipline comes from the mind and will. And devotion comes from the heart. And there is a great difference. This is the appropriate lifestyle that Paul is encouraging us to live. The life of devotion. Now I want to be clear. Discipline and duty have their place in the Christian life. We need them. But we, we cannot stay there at duty and discipline. We need to take the next step to devotion, to love, to worship. And this is where Christian living moves from our head down to our heart. Christian living becomes a lifelong passion and a privilege. It's no longer a duty and an obligation. It's what we want to do. I love the way that the Amplified Bible says it in Philippians chapter 3, and it's Paul speaking. And he says, 
Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake I have lost everything and consider it to be rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ the Anointed One. Do you see Paul's love and his worship and how he views knowing Christ as a privilege and not a duty? Well, you say, how do I get there? How do I get there? I'm living, I'm not living that way. And I say that to myself. Sometimes I'm not living that way. How do I get to the point where the desire of my heart is to love the Lord and to walk with him and to worship him and to have my Christian life be a privilege and not a duty? How do I get there? I think the verses preceding chapter 4, verse 1, give us a clue. And you know, Paul was very clear. He said, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing on. And so, um, this is a lifelong experience. And we will continue to have to work at it. Paul had not arrived. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Tells us that we are strengthened by his spirit, that we are rooted in love. And it says in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. The love of Christ which passeth knowledge. What how can we know the love of Christ past knowledge? What is more important than knowledge? Isn't it experience? Do you know the love of Christ by experience? By living? In your Christian life, have you experienced that? So I think that 
one of the ways is as we live out our Christian life, we ask God to help us. You know, I get up in the morning, since I've been studying this, I get up in the morning, I say, Lord, I want to love you. Uh, I want it to be a privilege for me to be a Christian. And I want to serve you today. And I think that as we ask him to do that, we ask him to help us to live that way. He's going to bring things into our lives that show us by experience. It's going to pass just reading it and understanding it in our heads, but it's going to move to our hearts. And he's going to show us the love by experience. I want, it, I want my life to be that way. I want it to be through experience that I know Christ. And then he says, he's a able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now many times maybe we think of somebody sick and we'd like to see him healed and God can do something exceeding abundantly, he can heal him. How about working in your life to make it feel like a privilege to be a Christian? Can God do that in your heart? I think he can. Don't you want to live that way? Don't you think it would be worth it to move from duty and obligation to having the Christian life be a privilege? Well, where are you this morning? Have you rejected the heavenly call? Paul says it's destruction. It's destruction. If you reject the heavenly call, there's nothing for you but judgment, destruction, Are you living reluctantly this morning, feeling like you're forced to be a Christian? It's bitterness. It's going to lead you to bitterness. You're going to be angry at authority. You're going to be angry at God. And you're going to be a bitter person. Are you living out of duty and obligation? Well, I would say I commend you for doing it. But it's going to be joyless. It's going to be joyless. If you are simply serving God because it is your duty, it's going to be difficult and joyless. Are you living from a heart of devotion and love and worship? If you are, you're going to experience more than you could ask or think. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So what is the appropriate lifestyle of a Christian? It's to take the heavenly calling and it's to make it into a privilege to serve Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in the last three chapters of Ephesians and he says, he talks about the church, the body of Christ, and unity in the church. Serving in the church is going to be a privilege. Whatever I can do for the good of the body, it's going to be a privilege. He talks about living a holy life. It's going to be a privilege to live a holy life, to deny yourself some of the things that the world has to offer. 
It's going to be a privilege. Your marriage problems, the difficulties that you have getting along with your spouse, it's going to be a privilege to live with that person because you're doing it for the Lord. Your employer, your relationship with your employer, Paul talks about it. And it's going to be a privilege to, to work for your employer like he's the Lord. Paul talks about spiritual warfare and the armor that we need to take on to protect ourselves and to fight against sin and the devil. And it's going to be the passion of our heart to stand up for the Lord and to put on the armor. And it's going to be a privilege to fight for him in a spiritual way. So brothers and sisters this morning, I challenge you Let's not make it discipline, but let's make it devotion. Let us have that relationship with the Lord that is it a, it's a privilege for us to serve him. We're going to stand up for prayer, and then we're going to have a closing song. So let's stand. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you for the relationship that we can have with you. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. Thank you for the heavenly calling. The way that you call us to walk with you and to live with you. Lord, we want to serve you because we love you and because it's a privilege. Lord, help us not to be mired in in self-living, but give us, give us what we need to walk close to you and to have our Christian life be joyful and the service to you be something wonderful. So, Father, I pray that you would bless this congregation as we go from here. Give us strength to walk close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.